Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Holy Communion. We're so glad you have joined us for this audio sermon. You can find a full archive of sermons on our website, holycommunion.net. This sermon was preached on Sunday, May 31st, 2020, the Feast of Pentecost, by me, the Reverend Mike Angel, Rector of Holy Communion. In the name of the one living and true God who sets us on fire. In 1962, the civil rights activist James Baldwin penned a letter to his nephew. Anticipating the 100th anniversary of the Emancipation Proclamation, Baldwin was considering the state of black life in America and giving advice to the young man, especially around how to interact with white folks. He tells the boy again and again to greet a loveless world with love. But Baldwin, in his particular genius, turns the tables on what we'd expect from this kind of advice. He tells the young black man that white people assume their work is to accept him. Instead, he says, the really terrible thing, old buddy, is that you must accept them. And I mean that very seriously. You must accept them and accept them with love. For these innocent people have no other hope. They are, in effect, still trapped in a history which they do not understand. And until they understand it, they cannot be released from it. They have had to believe for many years and for innumerable reasons that black people are inferior to white people. Until they understand their history, Baldwin writes, they cannot be released from it. This story from John's Gospel about Pentecost, it includes a line that has always troubled me. As he breathes the Spirit on them, Jesus tells the disciples, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. The line has always bothered me because I wasn't brought up to believe that sins should be retained. Christians are a forgiving people, aren't they? Jesus tells us, forgive 70 times, seven times. But here is Jesus in some of his last moments in person with the disciples, telling them that some sins must be retained. And James Baldwin told his nephew to accept his white neighbor with compassion because they are trapped in a history they don't understand. And until they understand it, they cannot be released from it. I found myself this week as I watched another city burn with fires of anger over police brutality, as we witnessed again the righteous rage, which is as persistent as our nation's systemic inequity. I found myself thinking about sin. I've said in sermons before, the most useful definition of sin I know is this. Sin is that which diminishes my humanity or diminishes the humanity of my neighbor. I wonder if Jesus here isn't being prescriptive so much as he's being descriptive. Jesus is just telling it like it is. You can't forgive and forget a sin if that sin isn't understood. The 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous tell us that the first step is always admitting you have a problem. 
A sin cannot be forgiven until we make the steps, until we admit the problem, until we work to undo the system which diminishes humanity. Put another way, a lot of sin is structural. We participate in social structures which diminish us, which diminish our neighbors. Some sins are retained because the sins are not isolated. These sins participate in ongoing systems which continue to diminish our neighbors or to diminish us. Some sins must be retained because you can't forgive a sin that has not been fully confessed. Unless the consequences of the sin are owned, it cannot be forgiven. If you pretend to forgive it, it's not forgiveness. It's denial. If Jesus is right, if Baldwin is right, then the persistence of racism, the persistence of racist structures, what has been called America's original sin, it's in part due to denial. If our response to the death of George Floyd, if our response to the protests and the rage in Minneapolis and across our nation, if our response is to deny that there is a problem with policing, if we deny that there are legitimate fears, legitimate grievances, if we deny that denial is part of the reason that sin will persist. As a resident of St. Louis, over half of my tax dollars go to public safety, over half. And yet we have not been able to police our way out of our position as America's most violent city. The folks who live in the most violent neighborhoods trust the police the least. George Floyd's death wasn't isolated any more than the overwhelming number of deaths from COVID-19 in the black community are isolated. The pandemics and the epidemic of violence is linked because our economics, our health system, our so-called justice system treat black life as more expendable than white life. Until we can admit we have a problem, until we understand our history as the old saying goes, we are doomed to repeat it. The theologian Willie Jennings focuses our attention on a moment before Pentecost morning, if we are to understand Pentecost's promise. Jesus is risen. He's conquered death. He encounters the disciples with all power in his hands. And do you know what the disciples ask him? When are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? That is to say, when will people who look like us, who think like us, when will we be in charge? Jennings says that those early disciples, they face the same quandary that Christians have faced across history, the same question that we face in our own day. Will we worship Jesus or Jesus' power? But Willie Jennings says the amazing grace comes in the Spirit. And the people who prayed for power, who had fantasies of holding power over others, instead they received the Holy Spirit, a gift they did not pray for, could not have prayed for, could not have imagined. People who had fantasized about control received a different kind of power. They learned to speak another language. The Spirit brings power not to control, but to build a new future. It bears repeating, Jennings said, this is not what the disciples imagined or hoped. 
This is the beginning of a revolution that the Spirit performs. The disciples read, receive power not to control, but to hear and to understand their neighbors. Baldwin's letter to his nephew is included in a book with an ominous title, The Fire Next Time. The title comes from a line in an old spiritual. God gave Noah the rainbow sign, no more water, the fire next time. It would have been terrifying to watch those tongues of flame settling over the heads of the disciples. And fire has the capacity to destroy. Fire can be terrifying. But remember, fire is also an image of the presence of God. Fire can clear the way for something new. Fire can forge. So this Pentecost, James Baldwin's question remains. Will we be trapped in a history we don't understand? Or will we listen? Will we listen to the anger, to the pain, to the frustration of our neighbors? Will we listen to the pain in our own bodies? Will we listen to the effect that structural sin continues to have? Will we let the fire of the Holy Spirit consume our nation's old and ruinous ways? We've all seen the images of Minneapolis on fire. What you might not have seen are the images of the protests that have turned into cleanup efforts. Activists, even in the midst of destruction, are imagining a new way forward. There, beneath the anger, there, smoldering in the ruined third police precinct of Minneapolis, God is present. The Spirit of God is always with us. Will we listen? Will we allow that holy wind to blow us into a new country? Will we allow the Spirit to do her wise work and to remake, remake us? Will we retain, hold fast to the Spirit's work? until the structures of sin can finally be released. Amen.